candid conversations that might just change how you look at the world. Let's bridge cultures, transcend borders, and build a global family of change makers. Welcome to If By Chance. Mark was part of a world where the ability to dominate validated him and those around him as a man. A self-professed company man for Ted Turner in the late 80s, Mark behaved himself while wrestling against some of the top names in the sport. But in small arenas, Mark's behaviour came at a price. In this episode, Mark shares what led to this and how he turned his life around. I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia. That's where I wrestled out of when I wrestled for Ted Turner. He owned the company. I was a professional wrestler for years. How many years? Uh, between four and five, I wrestled against the Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Ric Flair, the older stars that you see that come in with WWE. That was back in the late 1980s. But yeah, I was a professional wrestler and my views on the world were quite a bit different back then. I was young. I was an egomaniac. I was mean to the core. Uh, I was definitely the kind of person you didn't want to meet. I mean, just in general, I, I would I would not have been a good friend. Was it that meanness that drew you to the sport? Well, no, it was it was from a childhood. It was meanness. It was meanness that came from a dad that would hit me with fist. That there were fist holes in the walls. I got to the point to where. I was, I was a pretty good athlete. Now, I, I'm, you can take that tongue in cheek, but I was a pretty good athlete. The Atlanta Braves professional baseball team was interested in me, but I was angry. I was angry about a lot of things, and I took it out in the ring. And I was a company man, a, a good worker when I worked for the large companies, but when I went to the small towns, if a promoter paid me to hurt somebody, I would do it. Is this in the ring? Yes. Yeah, I would act like it was an accident and I would break a guy's arm or break a rib, give him a concussion, do whatever. Like I said, I was a mean guy. It really took me hitting rock bottom before... I realized that there was something more to life. Was it quite common, though, for for people to do that, to take payment and hurt people? Was it right in the sport? In in the smaller regional promotions, it can happen quite a bit. The thing about pro wrestling is whether you're really up at the top, which I was very fortunate to be. I'll say that I was very fortunate. But 
whether you're there or working and making 20 bucks, there's a lot of ego involved. People get their feelings hurt really fast. There's not a lot of forgiveness. There's not a lot of grace. Therefore, when people, they call it a potato. Like if you and I were in the ring and you were to hit me and hit me hard, even if it's an accident, it's considered a potato. Therefore, what I'm going to do is I'm going to retaliate on you, and that's going to be called a receipt. Okay. That's the way wrestling was. And it just really took me becoming such an awful person that I did so many bad things. I dug myself in a hole. I finally looked up and I said, okay, if you're there, man, hey, I need something. And it was like a big hand reached down and got me out of the hole. And what, what was happening outside of the ring that made you realize you were in a hole? My first wife, we were married three years, and she, I walked in from a trip, and she said, I'm leaving, and I couldn't blame her. I knew the kind of guy I was in the ring, and I I made a fatal mistake. Whenever a person gets a little bit of fame, they should always remember where they came from. And always be true to themselves. I, I was not true to myself. I became totally full of myself. She said she was leaving. She left. I picked up a book, not realizing at first it was a Bible. Man, I, I landed. I just opened it, right? Proverbs 1. And if you want a book in the Bible that will kick your butt from here to there, it's Proverbs. It will tell you, if you do this, if you screw up and do this, this is what's going to happen. I mean, no kidding. Understand, I can't. I just come out of the wrestling business, okay? I did not think I was going to go back because I understood the person I'd become. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm re I read that, but I couldn't put it down. So um, that's where the rubber really hit the road, as we say in old su southeastern United States. And that's when I said, okay, Mark, you got to get off your butt. Know what you've been doing. It's not working. You're a screw up and a half. You got to try something else. So what were your options at that point? This, this is what's going to blow your mind, okay? I went to college one year only because my mama made me, okay? I got thrown out of college. Now, I'm sure being drunk half the time had something to do with it. The second thing is I ended the semester with a 1.11 grade point average. I found out deans of a college and professors don't look very favorably upon a 1.11 GPA. So I turned around and I went back and saw that dean. Like an alcoholic, I felt like I had to make amends. 
man, I went in there. I told her what I'd been through, what I had done, how I had screwed up. I apologized. I said, I'd wasted your time. I'm a schmuck. You were still drinking heavily at that time? Uh, I had just started putting it down. And was that before the wrestling or after the wrestling? After the wrestling. After the wrestling. The, I had had the 1.11 GPA before wrestling, went into wrestling, came out. And I knew I had to make amends when I was being pulled up from the hole. And I said, okay, I got to go see this Dean. I got to apologize. She said, well, tell me, what's the story? And we just sat down. We talked about an hour. She said, go to the bookstore and get your books and start class tomorrow. Just go ahead. I said, ma'am, I, I can't afford it. No, she said, just go. We'll work it out. Just go go get into class. You need to be in class. And I guess that's the way I actually had to be dealt with or else I would have talked my way out of going back to college. So what did I do? I graduated with a 3.3. Then I went to grad school, throw a 3.75 in grad school. I found grad school easier than regular undergrad work but a few years goes by my dad dies my brother and I because he died and had, had just made up his mind on where he wanted to be buried they couldn't get machinery in there and me and one of my brothers literally with a shovel buried my daddy and you know what I still didn't like him how did you feel that he was gone Part of me felt like I wouldn't have to deal with a BSer anymore. Another part of me was, well, I know anybody can change. I changed. So did he have something in him that was just waiting to come out? And then when we were covering up the casket, I felt guilty having nightmares for months because I felt like I had done something really bad to him. But then it clicked on me one day. It was an epiphany. And it was that burying him was the last act of love I could do to make sure he was properly taken care of. Then I had another epiphany. There may be somebody in your life that you just hate their guts. You may hate them. They might be a relative. The thing about it, you can not stand somebody, but still appreciate them because if they're a jerk, at least they're showing you what a jerk is. Appreciate that and understand you don't want to be that way. You can still appreciate somebody without being goo-goo in love with them. Now, goo-goo was Southern United States, okay? Goo-goo in love. Not really. I just made it up. But anyway... <laughs> See, I love you being from Australia because I can play with you a little bit. I like that. You know that Australians do that to people when they come here, don't you? No, really? If you look online, you'll find people that have travelled to Australia and they get messed with. God, tell me some way they, they mess with somebody's mind. Oh, they'll just, I don't know. So I actually went to school in Canada for six months. Really? And okay. I, I used to tell people that we used to have kangaroos just jumping down the road 
for example. And that's not true. I've only lived in one place where that actually happened and that was really in the middle of nowhere. But yeah, they just believe anything. So I hear you. We've got that in common. <laughs> I love it. You are so cool. I like you. I gotta tell you. <laughs> I want to go back to the time you said that when you were younger, your father used his fists a lot. Yeah. And he used to hit you. Did you manage to make space for yourself as you got older? Or was it when you went into wrestling and then he thought, oh, hang on, I'm, I maybe can't wrestling, get away with what I used to yeah. do? When you get beaten down like that as a kid, one thing that I noticed and I find it counseling other kids and things like that is that it totally destroys any self-esteem you have because you're treated like trash, you feel like trash. I think that is where I realized I had to do something to make myself valid. That is where the wrestling comes in. Is because when people could, would know me going down the street in my hometown or whatever, and still today I get, I mean, 30 years to go, and I still get recognized every once in a while. But, yeah, you get beaten down so much, you need validity. I totally believe, and I've seen it, I've experienced it, I know the listeners. This is for the teens, this is for the parents. If you feel like you always have to prove yourself, then you're trying to make up for something. Be true to who you are. Love yourself, love others. Me being a religious man, I, I'll say this. That is, I don't believe God makes junk. So nobody's junk. Did you know any of your father's friends? Yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you he had low self-esteem. I can tell you exactly why I know it. He had to dominate his children. If you have to dominate somebody, it's because you're lacking something. If there's somebody out there dating somebody and they're not able to be in themselves, you're being dominated. It's not you that's got the problem. It's the other person. Get away from them. Because that, that generally turns into a situation that if I can't have you no one else with, and guess what? You end up in a grave. Mm -hmm. So what were your dad's friends like? There was two or three genuine. Most of them were pure BSers, just like him. You know, they attracted one another. But did they know what he was doing? Some of them did, sure. But that's my old buddy. I'm not going to, you know, we're talking 70s, eight, in early 80s. We're not going to call and turn in our buddy there. I can't be that bad. Did you know that I realize a lot of people come from Africa? Do you know how I know that? Because a lot of them live in a state of denial. Do you get it? The Nile River, I, Africa. I, I do. I do. <laughs> I, I, I really I, thought that was clever, okay? It, it kind of is, but it kind of sounds a little bit racist. Oh, see, I never thought about it that way. The reason I don't think about stuff like that way 
is because we're a multiracial family. My wife and I, see, my wife and I adopted five other children. We have eight kids. We have Caucasian, Hispanic, Native American Indian, African American. So when something like that comes off racist, you know, my son, who was named Jamarcus, who is now Jefferson, and he wanted my name Mark as his middle name, so he's Jefferson Mark Smith. In the courtroom, the day he's adopted, he tells me, he says, well, I guess you're black now, too. I said, well, I guess so, son. Yeah, yeah, we don't think about it because, you know, we're, we're just here and growing up where I did in the state of Georgia, it was so racist. My dad was racist. He used to look at ball players, professional athletes. He'd be a good cotton picker. Yeah. Now you talk about racist. That's what I lived with. There was a guy named J.B. Stoner who ran for the United States Senate in 1972. I remember watching his uh, television ads. He used the N-word I counted eight times in 30 seconds. Eight times. So now, even... As much as I hated all that, the fact is that kind of stuff gets ingrained a little bit. When we were foster parents for so many years, and when Jefferson came to our house, my wife and I were thinking, you know, can we relate? We want to, you know, we we wanted to love him. I mean, we didn't want to have any feelings that, oh, he's different, we're different, blah, blah, blah. And... I remember the day I, there was a certain day and I can't remember exactly when it was, but I remember holding him is about 11, I guess. And my past and the stuff my daddy said was rolling in the back of my head. And I thought, yeah, his hair's different, but damn it. He's my boy. And that was it. That quick, that wall was broken. I mean, really. And I'm sorry to say, damn it. But, you know, the thing is, when you're talking about racism and you're talking about all this stuff, you're talking about some really ugly stuff. I just got to tell you the way I thought of what I was thinking. And you know what? The only time he has ever shocked me was one night he was playing basketball outside in the driveway and we have a big light so you can see fair but i said uh come on in it's it's getting late man and shooting the ball come on in he says dad i don't have to i says what do you mean and i thought he was going to smart off at me he says i can see in the dark i'm black that was from him so when he told me that in the at the adoption you know yes dad i guess you're black too now I said, can I see in the dark? He says, you might can. I don't know. We'll have to try it out. I said, okay. But we we just, I mean, we hardly ever talk about it because it's just, it's not a thing that we're different. 
Are you ever faced with differing opinions from people in your community? Oh, my gosh. Yes. We can go to a restaurant or go to a shopping mall or something. And if somebody, when, when they say, hear him saying, hey, dad, I go, yeah. You know, just like any other of my kids, right? Yeah. Especially from senior adults. I'll get one or two hate looks. Yeah. And what do you do? I look at them and smile. How you doing? I kill them with kindness. Now, if they were to confront or do something with my son, now we're talking a different story. They may see that some of that guy that used to be in the ring come out. But hey, there's no reason to start anything. And I got to tell you, we're... Jeff, when he lived with his parents, he was getting into fights every week, all this kind of stuff. He doesn't fight anymore. He doesn't fight. There's no need. Must be nice for him having a role model like you that he can see that you can have that capability, but you don't need to use it. Maybe. I mean, he. I've taken him when I've trained other wrestlers. I've taken him to matches. He has seen me hit the mat really hard and also throw people on the mat very hard. Uh, he knows there's a time and place. I think more than anything, he sees my relationships with other people. That I am easy to love people. It's, it's just a lot more fun to love. It really is. It's a lot more fun to love. It's a lot more fun to be loved. It's nice when you go somewhere and you feel like you belong. You can make other people feel like they belong. And he, he has seen a lot of that. And he was skeptical at first. He saw it in church. You know, the first, and that first thought is, oh, well, they're acting that way because they're inside this building. If you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. But when he sees them outside the building, he realizes they're the same people. I think that has had a really big influence on him. Do you think in terms of the way you're living your family life, that you're using your upbringing as a reference and doing many things in the opposite way? Without a doubt. And it goes back to... To appreciate, isn't it very weird how you can appreciate something and yet despise it at the same time? Yeah. I think it's more, it might be more of appreciating the value of the lesson. Exactly. Does that make sense? Yes. And so that's where, yeah, I, I bring it in a lot, but, and, and, this is, I don't mean this to sound insensitive. I think writing the book, Wrestling with Demons, you can see I did, I did wrestle with demons. You can see that now hearing the story. Mm -hmm. It's so ridiculous that we're so judgy. For those of you, because I used to get confused all the time. What's the difference between objective and subjective? Objective is no bias in your decision. Subjective. It's just your opinion. You know, sometimes we listen to the worst people to get advice from. 
And folks, I know there's some of you out there that are listening that you may feel like there's a barrier between you and someone else. And, and that barrier, the only reason that barrier may not be broken is because both of you have maybe been just too tentative to take that first step to breaking that barrier. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it happens by accident. Sometimes it happens because we're just too prideful. And I got to tell you, it humbled me very quickly when I said, okay, I'll do what you say. And I was looking upstairs to the man upstairs and going around and telling people, I'm sorry for what I did to you. I'm sorry that I took advantage of you. Guys, it does not take someone with superhuman strength to do that. It just takes somebody that's got a willingness to say, hey, I think I'd rather love than have these other emotions. Where is it that you find yourself now? What are you focused on? Uh, where do I find myself now? Number one, I'm a grandfather. I'm writing. I'm writing a sequel. At the beginning of the year, start doing some speaking engagements. I'm also learning to enjoy the time with my kids and grandkids that I've got to learn. See, this is me. I've got to keep myself in check. I can't be going out there acting like a person going after fame and fortune and being gone all the time and doing this and that. I got to also be here for my kids. I got to enjoy the moments. How do you balance that with striving or ambition? As long as I can look at them all in the eye and know that I really am doing my best by all of them, then I'll know I'm staying in check. When there are hard situations in our lives, we go to such great extents to try to rationalize everything. If we have to go to great extents to rationalize something, then there's something out of, out of keel. Something's a little wrong. Sometimes the decisions are hard in our lives because it's what we want to do and it's not what's best. And then we end up paying for it later. That's what I did with wrestling. And that's what I beg of the audience. This, you've got people that do love you. There's people that you love. Be honest. Be truthful. Be outgoing because time is too precious. And God doesn't make junk. Well, people who maybe don't have a great community around them or a great family, what advice would you give to them? Well, first off, there are communities out there, and we can be our own worst enemy. And what I mean by that is withdrawing, giving up, and guys, it's so easy to do it. I've been there. I mean, I was sitting on the bed with lines of a lot of pills going about two feet, or I should say two-thirds of a meter long. And it, the question wasn't, should I take them? It was, when am I going to take them? If you know of something that you may have physically wrong or 
an addiction or something like that, number one, find a support group. There, There's always, and it may be not going to the one that all the rich people go to, but hey, there are churches out there as well. Person, look at, I mean, even your own, the block you live on, the community where you live. We can't be loved unless we make ourselves available to be loved. Sometimes we don't think we're worth it. But then again, what did we just, what did we said twice already? I counted. God doesn't make junk. There is something about your life that can really hit a nerve and help another individual. But as long as we're quiet, we're, with, we're withdrawn, they'll never hear what they need to hear. And guys, this about availability. And this is a key word. It's about vulnerability. Look, with any relationship, there's a chance of getting hurt. But isn't love worth taking the chance? That's what I would say to the, to the individual. What do you think about that? I think that vulnerability is key. And at the same time, you spoke earlier about how people can sometimes surround themselves with the wrong type of person and that we really need to be clear in terms of our expectations from others. Oh, that's a great point. And sometimes take what people say to us with a grain of salt. I love that. I also think it's really important to think about what kind of values you want to surround yourself with. Maybe you're in a bad place right now. And if you think about what you do want and how you do want to be treated and that you keep that in mind in your everyday interactions. And if someone's not giving that to you, then they're not the right person to hang around. You know, about, I would say, eight to ten years ago, a little saying, it hit me. If someone does not make your life better, why have that person in your life? It's pretty simple. It may be a barrier. I'm talking about breaking down barriers. Maybe a major barrier some people have is facing the fact that, you know where I'm going with this, that I need to cut the string, but what will happen if I do? It, is, it reminds me so much of our youngest son, Colton. When he was about five, he was so afraid of losing a friend. But some of the people that he called friends would do things to get him in trouble or they would lie and blame him for it. Not all the time, but every once in a while. Or they may hit him. This kind of thing, you know, kid stuff. Mm -hmm. But to him, it was important. Yeah. But you spoke about the fact that nobody is junk. Right. So if that's the case, shouldn't we just keep everyone in our lives? Not necessarily, because we're, we're all built differently. 
if that's the if that's the case, should everybody be able to play American football or soccer in Australia? People have different talents. They have different likes and dislikes. I think the one of the beauty beautiful things of life are finding those people people that you have th- things in common with. There may be somebody that just rubs me the wrong way, and I might rub them the wrong way. It doesn't mean we can't be nice if we run into each other, but it does not necessarily mean that they have to come over and eat dinner every Saturday night. If that would be the case, and I love playing the devil's advocate here. I love this, by the way. I love your style. But talking about everybody being with everybody. Some of us might feel guilt. Someone's not making our lives better, but we think if we can only just change this one thing or help them achieve something they'll be better and then i'll be able to hang around them and then life will be good it goes to this though and that is i think especially talking about our countries our people that listen to this can relate and that is don't we want the freedom don't we want the liberty to be able to live our lives. I mean, if you're going to force relationships, force a marriage, might as well go back 200 years ago and force a marriage. You know, force whatever. If you want to see forcing relationships, how ugly it is, I mean, look at North Korea. That right there shows you what it would be like. But, see, if we, since we have the right to choose, then what happens is it can make a relationship that much sweeter. You know, like for instance, you and I have chosen to spend some time together. We weren't forced to. That makes this sweet. It'd have been a lot different if we had been somebody drugged me in front of a computer, drug you in front of a computer, and made us talk. But no, I, you know, saying someone's not junk, that's saying that they have value. And yes, we all have value. It doesn't mean we're all going to like the same thing. No. So just because you walk into a store and it's full of wonderful fresh produce, it doesn't mean you have to buy everything on the shelf. Wouldn't wouldn't the world be horrible if every restaurant was a McDonald's? We'd be very unhealthy. (laughs) I'm going to ask you, what would you like to leave the audience with? Or is there anything you would like to ask? Well, number one, I would like to ask you that... uh, if you've listened, to please contact, send a note to your host here. She's a great lady and keeps you on your toes. And that's exactly what you want if you're beginning interviewed. So tell her how much you enjoy her show. The other thing is, and that is, I hope none of you ever sit on a bed as I did in layout pills reading in your life what went through my mind and stopped me was me thinking about the people that loved me i wanted to hurt myself but i didn't want to hurt them 
if you are thinking about doing anything to the extreme like that, please contact helplines, etc. You are loved. She's doing this for free. I'm doing this for free. Why? Because we care. You are loved. And if you're listening to this, I want you to know you are the reason that we're doing this. I hope, please, the barriers in your life, if they're talking to that person you haven't talked to in a long time or whatever, understand. The one thing in this world you never get back is time. You can get refunds on anything. You never get a refund on time. You're not junk. You're loved. And please allow yourself to be loved. To feel validated in life is fundamental to our well-being. But where we seek validation is just as important. Mark found his North Star in God and has created a safe space to raise awareness that even tough guys suffer. And that's okay. There's always a way to dig yourself out of that hole. There are links in the show notes for resources and support and to connect with Mark and the show. Now, dear listener, it's your turn. Have you got something to add to the conversation? Then get in touch via the links in the show notes. Whether you have questions, a message of support, or resources that you think might help, we'd love to hear from you. And if by chance, you know someone with a story that will inspire others, be sure to let us know. Your contributions help turn inspiration into action, drive positive change and make life just that little bit better. And if this conversation inspired you to expand your worldview, head to hellohuman.global to join the conversation.